Here at the Real Life Community Center, our mission is to assist individuals who have been impacted by incarceration, homelessness, who are battling addiction to overcome barriers and obstacles faced within the community to hinder their prosperity and their ability to have a thriving future. Our vision is to walk alongside our clients, to see them grow into prosperous and thriving life while highlighting the barriers associated with those exiting incarceration and overcoming addiction in order to reduce the negative stigmas and stereotypes. Everyday men and women looking for second chances and redemption walk through our doors. They are seeking hope, motivation, and skills in order to make that change. Through community partnerships and financial investments, Real Life is able to provide clients specifically with what they need, intense case management, an expected mother's program, recovery housing or housing referrals, mental health services, classes and groups, job preparation and placement, transportation assistance, substance use disorder support, educational opportunities, a clothing closet, a computer lab, and more. And most important, unconditional love and support. All donations directly support providing services to further our mission of assisting individuals who have been impacted by incarceration or homelessness or those battling a substance use disorder to overcome barriers and obstacles faced within the community that hinder their prosperity and ability to have a thriving future. If you would like to donate to Real Life Community Center, you can donate on our webpage, www.reallifeprogram.org backslash donate, or you can donate directly through the anchor.fm app or listening platform. Good afternoon, everybody. My name is Lane Weatherholt. Um, my clean date is January 21st, 2016. I am an addict in long-term recovery. And basically what that means to me is that I haven't found it necessary to use any mood or mind-altering substances since then. Um, during this podcast, pardon me, I have a speech impediment. Let's get that out of the way. Um, I was born to two addicts uh, in 1981. Um, both of my parents um, were you know, partying down in the, in the eighties. My father was a car salesman, very good at it. Um, we, we always had outwardly everything that we needed to look like a normal family, big house, lots of cars, put an in-ground pool in on my third birthday. Um, I got an older sister, but inside was a mess uh, lots of uh, domestic violence, um, family abuse from both mom and dad, and uh, didn't really have anybody to turn to. Uh, I just thought it was normal. Um, at some point, my mother left my father finally and took on full custody of me and my sister by herself. I was uh, six when this occurred. My mother continued to rip and run for another, I'd say, 24 months. Um, and she started going to meetings. I'm not like most people that I've experienced share who found the rooms of recovery and did not know that it was there. I've known all along that rooms were there. She got clean uh, November 28th 
I want to say 1990. She's been clean ever since. Um, it was a it was it was a battle, and going into my teenage time, um, with no father there, um, he would come around sporadically, and when I wanted him to teach me how to talk to girls, he taught me how to cook crack. Um, when I taught him, or when I wanted him to to teach me how to shave my face. Um, he taught me how to sell crack. Um, and so these are things that I learned young. Um, uh, the speech impediment's been there. I got it from my dad. His dad's got it. It's a hereditary thing f uh, for us. Got bullied a lot with that. Didn't know how to deal with it. And so my time with my father uh, probably ended... I stopped seeing him every other weekend when I was about 13, and that was it. And um, my path began right around 13. Um, I started smoking weed. My sister actually came home one day from school, and she had the new uh, Dr. Dre album, The Chronic. And she had a cassette of it, and she pulled it out, and she put it in the tape player, and then she pulled out a bag with some weed in it. And she said, I'm smoking this, and you're smoking it too, because if I get caught by mom, we both get caught. And that was the first time. Um, and I did not enjoy it. It was not something that I had a good time on. I did feel different for the first time ever. Um, and so, obviously, the next day, I wanted to do it again because it was the first time in my life I was able to feel something other than pain and anger. I, I, I developed a really bad temper um, as a result of my upbringing and being bullied and all that. And so, that allowed me to kind of subdue all of those feelings. And um, as, as it were, it just continued from there. I got into... Um, she took me to a rave when I was 15 and kind of the same setup. She took some ecstasy and she gave me some and said, if you get caught, I get caught and we'll do it together. And from there it spiraled, um, into, you know, all the other things, meth and, and, um, just total insanity. Um, I, 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 I my father finally came back around when I was about 18 and um, he lived in Florida, in Miami, and he somehow convinced me to move down there because he was a changed man, and the little six-year-old boy in me believed him and wanted him to be telling the truth because, you know, all I ever wanted was my dad. So I went down there, and, and, and it was nothing like he promised. Um, he was still acting crazy and doing drugs and partying, lots of money, and prostitutes everywhere and and um and so I I succumbed I figured um at that point in my life being 17 18 my brain had matured some to well if this is the only way I can get attention from him or be able to relate to him then I'll do it and uh and so we did drugs together for a while um it wasn't until I had my first overdose from too much amphetamines that I called my mom, who still lived in D.C. at the time, and asked her if I could come home. She paid for the plane ticket for me to come home, and when I got off the plane, she walked past me. 
She did not even even recognize me, and that was a very sobering um, point where I first realized that my addiction had had started changing me um, physically. And so I went to rehab, and I got out, and I moved to Richmond, Virginia, chasing a girl. Um, and when I came down here, um, I just just got involved with. I was a bartender, and uh, I was I was dealing with you know those kind of people, and and booze turned into coke, and that's when you know my addiction really kind of took a darker turn I remember going over to a buddy's house and there was a guy there that I didn't know and we were doing lines and he was like well why are you putting it up your nose you're going to ruin it why don't you just smoke it and so that was the first time I did that and it just every six months it would change I'd be around somebody else who'd be like why are you smoking it you're going to mess up your lungs just just shoot it watch and I'd be like alright teach me and um we did that in uh, November 24, 2005. I was witness to a um, dear friend of mine's best friend um, on life support. He had he had overdosed in his car after trying to commit suicide on a high-speed cop chase. He was on life support at St. Mary's, and we went down there to see him. And when we got there... They pulled the plug on him, and it was the first time in my life I watched life leave some somebody, and and uh, it's it scared me. It really, I, I, it was a very awful experience, and so I reached out the next day to my mom, who put me in touch with a man named John S., um, who detoxed me, and I was clean. I got clean, and I got involved in Narcotics Anonymous. Um, from 2005 to 2010 and I had a sponsor and home group and and all of those things um and um I I just stayed clean though that was that's what I did I went to meetings I was popular um everybody liked to be around me I had a sponsor for the sake of saying that I've got one I never did any service I never gave back um I would share like surface shit all the time, um, and as a result, I met a girl. Um, I met a girl who had so quite a bit less time than me, and um, it was like I was I was waiting for her the whole time. Like like finally, the the woman I've been waiting for has arrived. I feel completed. I've been walking around at fifty percent, and now I'm at the other fifty percent, so I don't have to be here. So we decided to stop going to meetings, and there was a lot of other things that occurred, but uh, we decided to stop going, and I relapsed, and it started with smoking weed, and then six months I was drinking beer, and then six months after that I was doing coke, and then six months after that turned into dope. I'd never done dope uh, prior to my relapse, ever. I was never into that, and boy, oh boy, this time I was. And um, through a series of, you know, uh, uh, charges and arrests, um, we, man, I, I had bought him several times. We had a, a, a son who's, who's nine now, um, and he, man, when I think about 
my life as a kid, it mirrored his. It was literally almost identical. No matter how bad I said, I'll never be like them. I was becoming them. Partying all the time, domestic violence, cops always over there, drugs every... It was just a... It was just unbelievable. And, um, and so I continued to sign up for the pain with her for about almost a decade. Um, we were together for a long time. And uh, finally, um, through a series of literal godlike moments, um, I, I, custody was taken away from me in court. And I was led under false pretenses by my ex that it was all going to be dropped. I didn't show up under the suggestion that she wasn't going to show up either, and it would all be dismissed. I got a call from my attorney that day asking where I was because everybody else showed up except me, uh, me, and as such, full custody was granted to mom. And it was the end for me. I felt no reason to live. Uh, It was the darkest time of my life. Um, I did not know how to cope with it, so I jumped off the Manchester Bridge. Um, I was in a coma for several weeks. I had to learn to walk again, all this stuff. Um, and, and I remember waking up and wanting to finish the job was my first thought. I didn't do it right. I, I have to go finish it. Um, but as God saw fit, he decided to make a a blizzard come and keep me in the facility that I was at five days past when I was supposed to get out. Narcotics Anonymous subcommittee, H and I brought a meeting in there, and the guy that shared was my I mean he shared my my life almost to a T, and um, it shook me to the core. I got out. That was uh, January 21st, 2016. And since then, I have not gone back. Um, I've gone forward. And it has been... It's been a ride, man. It has been something else. Being clean and recovering. That's the, the difference for me this time is that I've worked. And I know I'm working because things are painful. Growing pains are prevalent to me I'm really starting to poke around at the internal gears that turn against each 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 other inside of me and trying to change them and um it's been uh, it's been an awesome ride it has been such an incredible journey being in this process I can't even say it like uh, the people I've met the bonds that I've made the the things that I never, I never thought ever when I got clean that I would be um, in front of a judge being granted full custody of my son, and and that's happened, and 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 it's through being in this process and 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 believing in myself, really learning how to believe in myself that I am worthy of of giving this kid a life that I never got. Um, but that didn't come without people telling me that until I could say it. And a lot of people had to tell me a lot of times that I was worth it because I didn't feel like that. And, um, you know, um, I, I dropped out in ninth grade. I've recently begun going to college. That is like, it blows my mind. Every time I go up to the school 
and I look at it, I'm like, holy crap, I'm in college. Like, um, it talks about lost dreams, awakening, and new possibilities, and I am living proof of that. Um, I signed a lease on a t- on 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 a place with my name on it, my name only, and I've never done that. Um, there's 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 a lot of there's a lot of gifts here, and 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 one promise, and and so far, it hasn't let me down. It, this this program has not let me down. It has kept its promise. I have stayed clean, no matter what, um, and the gifts that have come have been life changing. Um, And so I'm really grateful to be here. My name is Lane. Thanks for letting me share.